0: You are listening to Faith Church's sermon from this week. We are a church that is committed to loving Jesus for life and loving others to life. We hope that this message encourages you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. I can't remember. Um, But uh, anyway, so we we have covered a few teams so far, and we're going to continue with that that look at the church because there's this belief, uh, at least in my heart, I believe that when the end times are coming, and I I don't think that, you know, the end times means from Jesus' return to heaven till he returns back for his church, um, for those who know him as their Lord and Savior. That's the end times. So we are definitely in the end times. Are we in the end of the end times? That's the discussion that you hear a lot. And I believe that when those end times come, the church is gonna become more and more crucial to sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with people because they're gonna start seeing their finances go down the drain. They're gonna start seeing the economy go crashing. They're gonna start seeing things that appear to be way out of control. And as I'm speaking, I know in your head you're thinking, we kind of already are. And so I believe the church's mission is ramped up. Now what's going to happen in a lot of hearts because it is a spiritual issue is, is that they're going to actually pull back from the church. And they're going to say, well, I'm not going to get as involved. I'm not going to be here. And that's sad. And that is the, that is the battle that we are fighting right now. That's the battle. Um, And so that is why this sermon series is being brought to you. Because we wanna see a, a resurgence. We wanna see a revival. We believe that the people outside of these walls and doors deserve a chance at Jesus. More than you can imagine. And so we want to be a part of that, something bigger, something powerful. And so we're asking you to consider that as we go through this sermon series. Where would you plug in? And if you say, well, I'm not a member and I don't want to become a member, that's fine. There's plenty of places non-members can plug in here. Um, and there's plenty of places that members can plug in. And so those are not excuses. Not excuses. Um, that can keep you out. Um, and so we want you to consider with all of your heart what is going on. Now, I've been in the ministry, I've been in a pastoral setting for about 23 to 24 years, since being an associate pastor to start at a church in Dover, Pennsylvania, to now. And I've used three words a lot in the bulletin and in announcements and they all started with the letter, don't go too far with this one, the letter F, and would go something like this, come on out for some fun food and fellowship. The reality is though that I've learned over the years of ministry is the food and the fun were no problem, but if it could happen, we could probably be sued for how many times the Church Universal has offered fellowship and it was false advertising. It's fallen woefully short of true fellowship. You see, fellowship is so much more than talking about sports, weather, politics, or anything else not related to God and His work in our lives. But the interesting point is, is that I have learned in more than one occasion is is that the word for fellowship used in Scripture is so much more richer, so much more deeper, so much more what you and I actually long for, but don't know how to obtain it. The reason for the issue is obtaining true fellowship is we are guarded, rightly so in many ways. Our hearts are not opened as much as we'd like them to be. And so we guard ourselves. We protect ourselves. I wouldn't want to go too deep because I might get hurt. But at some point, and, 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 and everybody is different. We had some people here at one point that used to say, well, everybody needs to just drop their guards right now, right here, and we all need to just share our sins. Not everybody's at that point. And it's okay, it's okay. However, if we're not driving towards that point and we're always putting that guard up and always putting that piece of metal up in front of our our hearts and saying, you will never get into my heart, true fellowship will never, ever, ever happen. It won't. It can't. If we're always guarded always not willing to go to the dark places. I'm not asking, as some have, that we fall out confessional on on our deepest sin. Nor does the original word for fellowship ask for that. But it does ask for more than sometimes we're willing to give. It does. Look at me, look with me... Don't look at me. Look, at, look with me at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It's on your sermon outline. It's also on the screens. Your sermon outline is in your bulletin. Um, I believe it's on a white piece of paper, so you, you can find that. It's a full sheet of paper. Look with me at that, that first verse that's quoted there for us. Here's what it says. It's it's talking about the early church. Pentecost has happened. Things are happening. The early church is bursting at the seams. And God is doing something. And here's what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And then I put the the Greek word for fellowship in there. Koinonia. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. There's something deep about this word koinonia. It encompasses more than just fellowship. In fact in some passages in the English version, especially in the English Standard Version, which is translated as close to word for word as possible, it translates it contribution. You can check me out in 2 Corinthians 9, 13. It's right there for you. Contribution? Fellowship? Fellowship? Wait a second. All this is to say because the word used for fellowship is a word that encompasses much of what the Christian life should look like. It's about going deeper. It's about caring more than usual. It's deep. It's challenging. It's dirty. And yet it's beautiful, Faith Church, when we reach that kind of fellowship with friends. Things are forgiven. People are brought to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. But there are few imperatives that are needed for us to reach this kind of fellowship right here and right now. And I do believe... And, and, and you're going to see this today, but I do believe that it is physically possible, it is physically possible for each one of us who sit in this sanctuary and who watch online to reach this level of fellowship in 2021. Because I don't believe that a perfect God would put it in his word that you need to fellowship like this if it wasn't possible for the rest of our lives to reach this level. Please do not believe the lie that while well, they wrote in a different time, they wrote in a different place, they wrote in a different thing, they wrote in a different context, and so they didn't understand Facebook, they didn't understand Instagram, they didn't understand Snapchat, they didn't understand all these things that come in. Listen, Facebook, Snapchat, all those things, I'm on them all, they're great. But they kill fellowship. Absolutely slice it. Because we have this belief that something behind a computer screen is what Koinonia is, and it's not. Nowhere close. It's not. And I fall forward all the time. I'm, hey, I'm, listen, we've had our conversations in the office, I'm on Facebook an awful lot. And I fall for it. Well, I, I fellowshiped with so-and-so today because we got to talk. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. We did talk. We didn't fellowship. And so fellowship means so much more than what we sometimes even can grasp. In Hebrews ten nineteen through 25, I believe the author of Hebrews brings three imperative actions to the table. And while fellowship may not be mentioned here, oh, to strive for koinonia in chapter 10 of Hebrews, we first see an exposition about Christ's effective sacrifice. And so what he's doing is he's laying the groundwork. He's saying, you Jews, you come to the church and you sacrifice this and sacrifice that and you think you have to keep on coming back and sacrificing. It's almost like the child who goes to camp every summer and they go to five different camps and they get saved at every one of them because they feel like they got to come back to Jesus, come back to Jesus. That's not the way Jesus works. When you come to him once, the sacrifice is paid, friends. That's the beauty of following Jesus Christ. It's done. It's over. You've you've made the decision to follow him. And so the author of Hebrews lays this down in Hebrews 10, and he says, listen, quit trying to to keep up with with the Joneses and do it this way and do it that way and keep doing different things. No, no, listen, listen, the sacrifice of Christ is once and for all. But then shortly thereafter he jumps on this on these imperatives that we're going to look at this morning and he looks and he aims it right at the church. We know what Christ has done for us. Now let's see what it looks like to walk with him is what he's saying. Let's see what it looks like to be in true koinonia. Let's see what it looks like to to draw people in and to, to stop putting up the guards. And I realize it's easy to wear masks, real masks. I'm not talking about masks that we're wearing today to keep things safe. see. I'm talking about real masks. If I wear this smiley face mask, no one will ask me how I'm doing because they'll see the smile on my face and this will be, you know, and this will be great, you know. (laughs) If I wear this mask, then then I'll present this and I don't have to worry about people knowing that I'm really deep down inside hurting. What's wrong with you hurting? Have we come so far that the Christian church people can't even admit that they hurt? Are you kidding me? They can't even admit that they, their hope might be slipping? Heaven forbid we would be real with our faith. Is this why Christ came back for us or is going to? So we can put on some kind of show? Wow. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not suggesting, and, and, you know, everything can go to an nth degree. I'm not suggesting that we all just, you know, start throwing in our, <laughs> our, all of our, our shortcomings. But there's got to be some realness to this. And so to walk out the true Christian fellowship, we must walk out the three actions found in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. And here's the first imperative. It's imperative that we get up close and personal to God. It's absolutely imperative. And you, you realize what imperative means. It's like there's no choice in this matter. If we want to walk out the Christian fellowship, if we, hey, if we want to stay on the outside skirts, and we don't really truthfully want true Christian fellowship, and we just kind of want to, you know, just kind of exist and be in a social club and, and, and say that we're this and say that we're that, but we're really not, then, you know, no, we don't have to get up close and personal to God. You want to stay on the outskirts, you want to not get personal with God and get close to God, then, then that's your choice. And one of the things I'm coming to realize as a pastor of, the, of a church, and, 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 you know, I'm a slow learner. <laughs> Just ask my wife. I'm, I'm a very slow learner. So, so I, there's things that other pastors grasp within a year. I take, you know, 25. I can't make anybody get to this point all the passionate preaching in the world, all the begging in the world, all the praying in the world. It's your choice. Ultimately. I mean, that's my desire. It's been my desire since day one of of entering the ministry is to be in a church where true fellowship happens. I try to build it. That community actually happens. That we actually communicate about things. That we actually talk through things. And instead of putting up guards and walking out, we work through them. Because that's what God desires. It's not what I just desire. It's what God's called me to be. It's not It's not always easy, but it's... It is what he called me to be. Now, listen to this. I want you to take notice to some things. Notice why we can get up close and personal, because he gave us the opportunity to. Look at verses 19 through 21. They'll be on the screen, and are also in your sermon outline. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. Let me just pause here and say these words. Christ opened the doors for us. He tore the curtain. You know what he's talking about here, what the the author, who I believe is Paul, but there's there's several different beliefs out there, so I'm just going to refer to him as the author of Hebrews today. Um, And and the reality is, is that what he's talking about is what happened on Good Friday. You know, remember, Jesus is hanging on the cross, and what happens in the temple? The once the once full curtain where the only the high priest could go back and communicate. In other words, if, if it was in 2021, what would happen is you could not have a relationship, a personal prayer life. You can't get up at midnight and just pray to God. You'd have to call me. I'd have to go into the Holy of Holies and, 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 and be the high priest, and I'd have, to, I'd have to go on the other side after doing several cleaning factors, I'd have to do some cleaning up of my own life. I'd have to do some washing of my hands to make sure I am pure. And I have to go into the Holy Holies on your behalf and tell Him what you want to say to Him. And so on Good Friday, when Jesus is hanging on the cross, it says that the, the temple curtain was torn in two. Hallelujah. What that did was it opened up the doors for anybody now to enter the Holy of Holies, to be in the presence of God, to to talk to Him, to share with Him, to pray with Him. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, listen, we can get up close and personal because of the blood of Jesus, because He opened a curtain for us. He tore it in half. He gave us an opportunity but that's not it. Then he says and since we have a great high priest over the house of God and who is that? Jesus. And so in case you don't know when you pray you pray prayers sometimes you sometimes they're they're like they're like rambling to a holy god and it's okay. I'm not I'm not discouraging praying. But what 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 happens is, is that Jesus takes those prayers and turns them into something that is is beautiful and he takes your heart because he already knows your heart because he's there and he takes your heart and he presents it before a holy god and he says here's what pastor Brett is asking Pastor Brett is going around the bush and he's and he's and he's making all these words and he's saying all these things, but here, here's the logistics of what he's asking in his heart, God. And Jesus presents them to the Father. He's a great high priest. And he's over, the high, he's over the house of God. And so Christ also, or Christ opens this door. But I also want you to notice the how of drawing near or getting close and personal with God. And here's what verse 22 says, next screen. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. I want you to notice those words that are after sincere, both on your, I think they're on your sermon outline, they might only be on the screen, but with a sincere, a genuine, a true, a sincere heart. That's what the Greek and and others' original languages are bringing out here in Hebrews chapter 10. True, sincere. Well, what does that mean? Remember that guard I talked about? It means you'd gone, done, thrown that thing away. And you have no guard on your heart. See, he doesn't want fancied up prayers. He doesn't want unreality prayers. He wants our sincere heart. And people who argue with me about this, well, you know, you don't, you don't really want to tell God real truthful prayers. I mean, if I told God how I really feel, he might get a little upset with me. Try telling that to David. I mean, sometimes in the Psalms, he's like, he's like looking around and he's saying, God, I don't even know where you all are. I don't even see it at work I'm lost somehow in Sunday school somewhere or something we have this this belief that God doesn't want to hear our true sincere unprotected hearts I can tell you where it probably came from the enemy He doesn't really want to hear your hearts. He's an arrogant God, so he wants to hear all the good things he's doing for you. So just keep it calm. Keep it tame. The writer of Hebrews here says something completely different. You want to draw near to God, draw near to God with a sincere heart, a genuine heart, a true heart. First, we see the sincerity of heart this takes. It takes being true with ourselves and with him. And we do this in full assurance of our faith. Remember, we do this in full assurance of our faith. Then the author here says, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And the reality here is showing the work of salvation in our hearts that is a journey that's working in the recesses of our hearts. Not on the outside, but in the inside. Something I neglected to say last week, and I had it in my notes, and I know I neglected to say it because I do listen to my sermons after they're preached. Growing in your faith is not something to be reached, it's a journey to be had. You don't reach a pinnacle and say, I got it. Until he calls you home, you should be growing. And so Hebrews chapter 10 kind of gives us this, 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 this thought here. And you see, God has done his part, so now he's asking us to do ours. Then the author goes on about these bodies being washed with pure water, and automatically our heads and our thoughts go to, um, go to baptism. And that's a good thought because, you know, that, that is what baptism is all about. Washing and, and coming up out of the grave and, and, and giving our, our, our lives to Christ. But it's not what the Hebrew writer is talking about. See, what the Hebrew writer is talking about is he's talking about the old covenant that I described earlier. What he's saying to the readers of Hebrews here and saying to us as a church is is that in the old covenant, the priest had to go and wash his hands, take care of all these things, had to wash his body, had to make sure that he was perfectly clean. You can see a lot of those laws in Leviticus and Deuteronomy and other places. You can see what he had to do to go into the Holy of Holies and and participate and, 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 and all the things that he had to take care of. And that's what he's talking about here. Because remember what he does in the first half. See, context is everything. In the first half of this, he says, we don't have to do that anymore. In the first half of chapter 10, he says, listen, when Christ gives a sacrifice, it's once and for all. We don't have to clean ourselves up before we go into the Holy Holies. We can go in dirty. That's what his forgiveness is for. And so, that's the talk that we're seeing here in, in Hebrews chapter 10 in these verses. It's not about baptism. It's about, it's about, you know, the ritual practices of the old covenant. priest having to be washed before entering that holy of holies. And all the other laws that go with that. But as I say here in my notes, praise God, Faith Church. We don't have to do such needs today. It's all about him and his work as described earlier. The veil being torn, etc. The work has been completed. And you can confidently, with a clear mind and a stable conviction, get up and close and personal with your holy God, the God of the Bible. Man powerful. Now in order to have true Christian fellowship, here's what we must do with his first action. The first action step here at Faith Church is this. We must draw near to God and help other our brothers and sisters do the same. Let me be abundantly clear here. Not everyone is on the same spot of the path. If you remember, a couple weeks ago, uh, under discipleship, actually it was last week or whenever, I had a line going across here, a piece of rope. I should have just kept it up. But there's this desire that that everybody in the church sometimes thinks that we're all kind of where we need to be, and 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 so if 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 this is if this side of the, the this the stage is is just born and, and I'm kinda trying to just make it and I'm drinking milk and this stage of the this side of the stage where, where Pastor Landon is sitting is is eating meat and spiritually mature and doing everything kind of right, not perfect because we're never perfect, but some people in our fellowship are going to be over here, and they're just going to keep drinking milk. And some people in our fellowship are going to be where the pulpit is, and kind of be in the middle. They're 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 drinking milk, but they're eating a little bit of steak cut up for them. And then some people are going to be all the way on the other side, where Pastor Landon is sitting, and they're going to be eating meat all by themselves, no help. And they're going to grow. I, I want to I be abundantly clear here. And this is where we have to be careful as a fellowship. This person is just as important in the kingdom of God as this person Sometimes I think what we what we portray, I don't think we say it, but we portray it, is that somehow people over here are more important in the kingdom of God than people over here. And that is dangerous. And 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 let me go one step farther, the people that are still over here, that haven't even accepted Jesus yet, they're not even on the spectrum, are very important in the kingdom of God. And so, it's, it's this desire to show grace and love to those who are not where we are. really what it is. Now, am I saying that I knock it out of the park every time with a home run? (laughs) No. Sometimes I feel like, you know, my dog Pebbles, um, our new dog Pebbles, she's, she's got short legs. She's a very small dog. She, um, Sometimes we go on one of our long walks, you know, three, four, or five miles. And Pebbles will just lay down. She'll just stop walking. And you can pull that leash as hard as you want. She ain't getting up on her feet. And you know, sometimes people in the church lay down. And they won't walk. They won't grow. They, won't, they don't care to see themselves eating meat. They don't care for any of that. And so instead of being a loving shepherd who goes over like I do with pebbles and pick her up and walk her the rest of the way home, what do I do? I grab the leash and say, would you just come? What do you mean you, can't, you don't want to? Are you, are you kidding me? And what they really need is someone to say, listen, you know, I get it that you're where you're at, but how can I help you get to where you need to be? Instead of just laying there. And here's what I'm saying, Faith Church. I don't believe I'm the only one that grabs the leash and pulls. I believe some of us in our fellowship grab the leash and pull instead of walking beside our brothers and sisters and saying listen I I get it that you're in this place but here's the goal here's the thing I can't in good faith allow you to stay here I, I, I need to help you somehow some way to get over this direction And, and, and we struggle with that but here's why we struggle with it and this is the whole point of this whole point is, is that if we're not drawing close to God ourselves what right do we have to tell this gentleman or lady to walk over here It's a little bit of what Jesus is talking about in the Gospels when he says, would you please take care of your own sin before you start pointing out other people's sins? When when I have to confront something the very first thing I do and I don't make a big fuss about this because I want you to understand it's not about me, it's about Jesus the very first thing that I do as your pastor if I have to confront something is I spend time in prayer saying Lord where am I falling short (laughs) because like if I'm about to call somebody else out on what they're falling short on you better bet you that I better be spending some time saying Lord where, where am I where have I not done it right And so the same thing goes for this. If we're not drawing near to God, how do we bring other people drawing near to God? We we can't. And then you know what's happened is, is that fellowship is broken. Because I'm not drawing near to God, that person's laying over there. And since I'm not drawing near to God, I could care less if that person's laying over there. And so I just break fellowship. You know what? You want to lay over there? You want to? Fine, lay over there. True Christian fellowship will only come when we agree on the focus of the fellowship. In other words, if sports, politics, news, et cetera are our focus, that's what our time together will reflect. Not that we can't talk about those things. Please don't hear me saying that. I think sometimes people hear me saying that we shouldn't talk about such things. No, we are, we're living in a world that needs to be talked about. It is definitely some, some things that we need to talk about. There's some times when we need to discuss fantasy sports and everything else. There are times when we need to discuss such things. But there are times when Pastor Landon and I have to look in the office at each other and have true fellowship. What is God doing in your heart? Where is God working in your heart? What does this look like? How does this? How can I encourage you as your brother to walk better in Christ? But if I'm not growing and I'm not getting up close and personal with God, what good am I to my brother who I'm trying to reach? Because I'm just down here. I'm just doing barely anything to survive. And so the church needs to be careful of this. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's not about me. It's not about Landon. It's not about anyone else. Number two, it's imperative that we keep our hope. That we keep our hope. Here's what he says in verse 23 of chapter 10 of Hebrews Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Now I want you to, I want you to understand the picture here. The picture is to hold something with a tight grip, tight grip. And here's the picture that the writer of Hebrews is saying, and I think it is so key to 2021 that I. I I purposely wrote this, 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 this out because I didn't want to go home today without telling you what it is. It is holding so tight that you don't turn to the right or to the left. I know it's backwards for you. But that you hold so tight that you unswervingly hold to the hope that Jesus Christ has given you. The author here is being so clear. He couldn't be any more clear. He's saying, don't turn Jews, who he's talking to, don't turn to your customs to the left. Don't turn to your customs to the right. Don't turn to your customs behind you. Don't turn to your customs over here or over there. Always hold unswervingly straightforward to the hope that you have. Because the minute you turn to the right or the left your focus is off of what your focus should be on. And so he writes it unswervingly. In the NIV version that is. Again, to not bend or turn in any way shape or form. So, the author here is saying, listen, folks, you want to walk with Christ. You want to have a relationship with Him. Hold on swervingly to the works He has done. Do not change with every circumstance. Keep your grip tight. And may I say, your eyes locked on Jesus. He's saying to the Jews when the circumstances turn and they come and they are bad circumstances, he's saying to the church in America when COVID-19 seems to hit you across the face and you don't know which way you're turning, he says to us as a church, don't you dare turn to the right or the left. You hold unswervingly forward to the hope you have Now, I don't know about everybody in this room, but I know about me. And there is severe temptation from time to time to turn to the right or the left, to play the game that the media and others preach every week. There is severe temptation to say, oh, is this really the true hope or is the hope over here to the right or is the hope over here to my left Instead of holding it out and focusing straight forward. It's what Jesus talked about in the Gospels. You'll notice that I refer back to the Gospels because, you know, these these all fit together. It's what Jesus referred to when he said, listen, the guy who gets his hands on on the plow and then turns around and looks backward is not fit for plowing. Why? Because we all know that well, here, I'll give you an example. Don't do this. Try to drive home today only looking in your rear mirror. Don't do this. I got a cop sitting down here in the first row. I don't need second row. I don't need you doing this and getting arrested. But try it. What's gonna happen? You're going to crash into the person in front of you. You're going to run off the road. You're going to do something. Why? Because you're looking backwards. You're not focused forward. You're not focused on what you're supposed to be focused on. You're focused on everything but. That's why cell phones cause so many crashes. Because I'm not focused on the road. I'm focused on what this thing's dinging about. What's it telling me now? Who's sending me a message now? What's going on? Bang! Same thing goes with this. We have removed the the works of Christ out of our lives. We have removed the word out of our lives. We have removed all these things that we're supposed to be holding unswervingly to, and now we are stuck because we are looking to the right and the left. And the right and the left give us absolutely zero answers. They tell us to fight each other. They tell us that loving each other isn't going to get you out of this jam. They tell us to ignore each other when we're mad at each other. He tells us to love each other even when we're mad at each other. Tell me again, which one are you listening to? and trust me, this sermon was preached in my office before it was ever preached to you, so my toes are still recovering. What are you listening to? Where are you finding your answers? The author is saying here, or he answers the question, why? Why do we need to do that? Because he has been faithful to us. He has been faithful to us. Listen, look at the last half of this. For he who is promised is faithful. Can you tell me an answer to a question and just do it in your head, but... Was there ever an Old Testament character that was promised anything from God or a New Testament character and God completely lied to him? Completely didn't come through. Was there ever a prophecy that Isaiah gave thousands of years before Jesus Christ ever came to this earth? Thousands of years. How would this guy even know this was going to happen? That hasn't come to light yet. That may even be coming to light in our day. And so what we tend to do is we tend to look at our own lives and we say, you are so unfaithful, God. I don't know, his track record's pretty good. We may feel that he's unfaithful. But uh, you've probably heard me say this more than once. Feelings lie. I hope your faith isn't based on your feelings. Because feelings will lie to you. I don't always feel like he's faithful. God is faithful, but I don't feel like he is. That does not change his, or his actions. So here's the point. An action step here at Faith Church is this. True Christian fellowship comes when we hold tightly to the hope of Christ and encourage our brothers and sisters to do the same. Notice again, we have to do it, and then we can encourage others to do it. I mean, if I'm falling apart at every little twist and turn that happens because of some situation, it is not my time to stand up and look at another brother or another sister and say, hey, you got to follow. No, first I have to hold unswervingly to the hope that I profess unswervingly unswervingly third it is imperative that we remember each other in this battle and here's where it gets really interesting it's the verses no one likes their pastor to preach on sometimes but here i am <laughs> And let us consider how we spur one another on towards loving good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The word here translated let us consider literally means, literally means pay attention to. Pay attention to. Actually care about. It's not it's not Freddie coming home from school and he's saying, Dad, let me tell you about my day and, and, or serenity coming home from school. Daddy, let me tell you about your day, my day. And I'm like, uh-huh, yep, mm-hmm, uh-huh, yep, yep. Oh, look, uh, Sandy Heller put something on Facebook. Yep, uh-huh, wow, look at this, great, wonderful, uh-huh. Yeah, Freddie, I hear you, uh-huh, Freddie, yep, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, and then when he walks away looking at Michelle and say, what did he just tell me? And that's what we give some of our church friends. We're doing everything but paying attention. Me included. You know, we had this discussion, Landon and I, in the in the sound room earlier this week, and I said to him, you know, sometimes I, I really struggle when somebody asks me the question, "How are you doing?" because I really want to tell them. And sometimes I can't, or at least I feel like I can't. And so we jokingly said that our our answer should be living the dream. Pay attention to. Now our sinful selves will say this. That's right, you should pay attention to me you are correct we should but you also should be paying attention to others and often that's where the tough pill is to swallow. You're exactly right. There are times when the church misses the mark. But here's the call. The call isn't to pastoral staff. The call isn't to everyone sitting in the pews and watching on why. And so you're exactly right. We should pay attention to you, but you should also be paying attention to others. And while we're doing that, paying attention to, instead of getting caught in the pettiness that we so often do, don't we? don't we I mean seriously I'm not trying to be a downer here this morning but we get caught up in these petty little things sometimes and we ought to look for ways to encourage and love and and spur people on to good deeds and the author here is nice is nice enough to give us a contrasting viewpoint of what not to do and what to do and he does so in verse 25 he says we shouldn't give up meeting together and we should meet together that's what he says So he says here in verse 24, spur one another on to love and good deeds. And then he says, Now let me, excuse me, let me give you a contrasting view of what that looks like. When you don't meet together, you don't spur one another on to love and good deeds. When you do meet together, you do have a better tendency of spurring one another on to love and good deeds. This is the author of Hebrews. This is in Pastor Brett, don't shoot the messenger. This is where I think it's a beautiful thing to be able to watch service on YouTube and Facebook. But I also think it's something that can be used by the enemy. I mean no offense to those who are watching online today. But you cannot fellowship online. Can't be done. You cannot look someone across the eyes. You cannot listen to someone else praising the Lord and somehow receive power from their singing that you say to yourself, if that person can sing. I remember after certain people passed away from our church and I watched as those family members came in here that Sunday afterwards and they gave praise to the Lord and how encouraging that was to me because I thought to myself, if they can give praise, if they can give praise and they just buried their dad or their father or their uncle or their aunt or their brother or their sister. If they can give praise, then why am I not giving praise because someone gave me a sideways look before I came up with this pulpit today? If they can give praise, then who am I to hold back my praise because someone doesn't like me? but I can't do that over a computer screen. I can't. It's physically impossible. And I'm not saying that, that we, didn't, we shouldn't do it. Faith Church will continue to offer that, but I'm telling you there is something about being in the fellowship right here, right now, that should encourage your souls. It's important. It's important enough that he mentioned it in Scripture. You do realize he could have taken it out. You do realize it could have been taken out when the kinetic, canonical books were, were, were ran through the tests that they had to go through. He could have taken it out. No, he says do not give up on meeting on each other because there's a clue here that the author knows something that maybe you and I don't that when you start to give up on the fellowship, you start to lose something in your faith walk, in your fellowship, in your worship, in your discipleship, there's something lost. And some of you are still sitting here in your heads, I know it, I know it because I, I'm on vacation sometimes. And there are times when I look at Michelle and I go, yes, there's a United Methodist Church right down the street from my parents' trailer in Delaware. But do I really want to go tonight Or today? I don't know. Do I want my kids to grow up to think that when you're on vacation, you can just drop everything? That Jesus doesn't matter on vacation? And since my kids are very honest, if you ask them after worship, we don't go every time we're down there. And it's wrong of us. It's wrong. Right here. You want fellowship? You want real life fellowship? Come. Be a part of it. The author concludes, and friends, you better get to this specifically more and more as the day approaches, he says. Now, you know, everybody has a guess of what that day is, and I believe the best guess of that, and and trust me, there's other views out there, but my best guess is is that what he's talking about is the day when Christ says, enough is enough, and he he tells Gabriel to blow the horn, and he comes back and he rescues us from this awful mess. And so here's what the author of Hebrews is saying. People, when you read this scripture passage, you better get what I'm saying. This is the author of Hebrews speaking, not Pastor Brett. The more the day approaches of Christ's return, the more serious we better get about rubbing shoulders with each other and encourage one another. And having true Christian fellowship with our brothers and sisters. And he wrote this thousands of years ago. So whether we see signs or not, and I do believe that we see a few signs that are happening right now that is saying, you know, Christ is... You know, sometimes I wonder how much longer... But let's get out of that. Let's say, let's say you don't even see the signs. Let's say you don't even care to talk about the signs. Let's say you don't even believe that it's anywhere close, that that he's coming back in 3,000 years so you have nothing to worry about in your lifetime. Well he's a couple thousand years closer now than he was in Hebrews, wasn't he? And so should we be a little bit more concerned about it than the book of Hebrews should be? Yes, that's right. We should be And I know no one likes you preaching on it. I know it because I hear it, you know. You always put that scripture passage up and then then I feel challenged and I feel, well, you know what? If you feel challenged, good for you. You should. You should. It depends on it. Here's the final point. I changed you to we, so... Your sermon outline is going to read a little bit differently. Action step here is for Faith Church. True Christian fellowship can only happen when we take our redemptive community seriously. That's what is going to happen. When was the last time you paid attention to another without the stipulation? Well, no one paid attention to me. When was the last time that instead of looking at people around you as maybe not where you are, You encouraged another to step out in the right direction. When was the last time that you took, dare I say, pride in loving Jesus for life and loving others to life and the mission and hope that we set forth here at Faith Church? When was the last time that you looked at somebody across the table and said, you know what, you should come and experience what we have at Faith Church? When was the last time you honestly bent your knee for your brother or sister that sits here this morning? When was the last time? Dietrich Bonhoeffer says it this way. It's going to be on the screen. A Christian fellowship lives and exists by the intercessions of its members for one another, or it collapses. I can no longer condemn or hate a brother for whom I pray, no matter how much trouble he causes me. His face that hitherto may have been strange and intolerable to me. Is transformed in intercession into the countenance of a brother for whom Christ died, the face of a forgiven sinner. Ooh. Powerful. Bonhoeffer also says this, and this is a challenging quote that I found challenging this past week. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. Here's what Bonhoeffer is saying, and it stepped on my toes big time. Pastor Brad, you want to preach about it, you want to dream about it, that's wonderful. How about you do it? Because dreaming about it and talking about it from a pulpit isn't enough. You want to dream about it? You want to talk about it, congregation? How about we do it? Because when we have the dream of being in a church that people care and actually take notice in us, we are helping to destroy it. But when we actually get up and do it, and I know it's hard to hear, look out. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who does community and loves those around them and participates in fellowship will create community. Don't dream of it. Do it. Do it. Be a part of it. And so remember, fellowship, koinonia, is so much deeper than just talking. It's paying attention to people. It's maneuvering in a way that shows your love for another person. It's seeing your brother and sister instead of a, maybe a pain in the side. As someone who Christ died for. It's all those things and then some. And so in 25 years of writing Fun Food and Fellowship in bulletins, I gotta say it's a low percentage where fellowship actually happened, low percentage. I yearn for the day. when we all will take a hold of this. And so what do I ask you to do? What's the application? Do it. Do it. Take the imperatives and apply them to your life. And I promise you, God is faithful and he will work it out. Now you can take those apparatives and put them in your Bible or in the recyclable bin on the way out. That's your choice. But then you cannot say that you've done everything you can to help. You can say it, but God would know it's a lie. There's imperatives for a reason. And the more the day comes closer, the more we have to push in and push in. And here's what it doesn't say in Hebrews, but I believe the rest of the scripture would back this up. The more we are required to push in, the harder the push in will become. That's why you have a battle every Sunday morning to get here. If you think I jump out of bed every Sunday morning and say, woohoo, it's church day, boom, let's go, you should hear our bedroom conversations. Ugh. I guess I I guess I kind of got to go. How about you? Will you fight the battle? Will you go after it? It's your choice. As I said from the beginning of this sermon, the one thing I've learned over the last month because several people have said it to me if I if I got a dollar for everybody who said it to me I'd be in a better financial position than I am today I can't make you it's the hardest part of being a pastor can't make anybody do anything can only present the truth and let them come to their conclusions praying hard and I do every Saturday night that the Lord would take what is given and plant it in your heart so if you feel convicted this morning you can blame me and you can talk to me after the service because I prayed for every pew that's here and I asked the Holy Spirit to convict and plant where he sees necessary because I love you. And I don't want you here if you belong over there. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this reminder in Hebrews chapter 10. We thank you that you reminded us of your faithfulness to each of us. We ask you now, Lord, to be with us as we go from here in just a short minute, as we sing this closing song, as we As we wrap this up, may you remind us and challenge us this week from this message. May you bring those imperatives to mind that Monday morning we may wake up and the first thought in our mind, I pray it with supernatural power right now, the first thought in all of our minds would be, how am I going to draw close to God today? How am I going to fight the urge to just go about my day and not spend time in the scriptures and not spend time in prayer?" And then, Lord, walk us through those imperatives. That you may get all the honor, the glory, and the praise for what you do through this entire body of Christ right here at Faith Church. For, Lord, it's in your name we pray this all. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it encouraged you in your walk with Christ. You can find out more about Faith Church at wearefaithec.com.